Let's welcome to the stage tonight's guest moderator, Mike Jones and Dawn Richard. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. For Thank those of you for who, who don't know, this is the Meet the Musician series, and we have Dawn Richard. Hi, everybody. And... <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Those of you, I'm sure, are all fans in the house. Um, but for those, of, for those folks out in uh, podcast land, we're going to start at the beginning mm -hmm. um, with how America got to f first got to know you. Yes. Talk a little bit about your early days, how you got discovered, mm -hmm. um, where you came up, and that kind of thing. So let's start at the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, folks, things that people may not know about. You are originally from New Orleans. Born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. The, 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 the lower night war, yeah, um, I'm a church girl. My father was a, a choir director at St. Maria Goretti Choir. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. he was uh, and a musician. He was signed to RCA in a group called Chocolate Milk. Yes, that is actually a name. Yeah, <laughs> and um, he was amazing. We signed on Alan Toussaint, and it was great, you know, seeing my father as a musician. My mother was a dancer and a teacher. She owned a dance in school, started it when she was 21 years old. Right out of college, they both graduated from Xavier University. So my brother and I came into a very artistic family, but a very educational family. Mm. So I grew up in the church, grew up at the dancing school, but I also grew up in the school. Like that was the, the big thing is making sure you made your grades. So that was kind of my life. My life was school, dance, and music. And that's kind of how it went. So you kept busy, you kept hustling. Yeah, I never had an outside life. I didn't have a kid life. I, the bicycle thing was cute for five seconds and then I didn't do it anymore. The skating was cute too and then I didn't, most of the time, by the age, like, I was playing softball by like five years old. My brother was playing like football at six. So we were like always doing something. There was never a time, I don't remember ever not being in something. So I never had like the, the cool childhood where you were with your friends outside. I was always at a park. Mm -hmm at church choir or at a dancing school. Like, that was always what it was. All right, well, it kind of shaped your, your hustle, keep it moving. Right now, yeah. Exactly, Mom exactly. Mom and them like. knew, I didn't. So let's talk a little bit about how New Orleans mm -hmm. might have influenced, you know, you musically, and yeah. then uh, what your other musical influences were. Well, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you've ever been in New Orleans, you know that there is always music playing. There's always some type of culture going on. There's someone dancing in the streets. There's always someone playing an instrument. There's always something vibrant going on. And I took it for granted because I didn't realize that would shape who I, I, I am today. You know, I just kind of accepted it. You know, when you come from a place where you've already, you grew up there, you're like, oh, that's the normal. But the reality is it's not. New Orleans is a very special place. And, you know, growing up, you can literally walk down a street and a four-year-old boy is playing on a can talented like I mean like on another level and being in that place where there's only one school you can go to NOCA and it's a place for creative arts and it's you can only go if you're not in private school it's only public school and it's only available if you can cut your credits like you can go half a day school in the beginning and school after we didn't have like the New York schools and the LA schools that creative outlet you can go to a creative school we didn't have that my parents blessed me putting me in private school so no creative arts for me. So it was kind of like I had to find another outlet some other way. So in New Orleans, it was kind of like you either were creative or you, had, you were a doctor or a lawyer. There was no other, for a black kid growing up, there was, no, there was no exception. So for me, that was, the alternative was to try and find any other way. So I would get crazy jobs like working at Six Flags. 
just to sing and dance. Like I would do the dance, you know, the characters. I was in the dancing, trying to get that, or dancing in the NBA, being a cheerleader, trying to find ways so I could sing the anthem. Mm -hmm. It was like dance. I knew I could dance, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna dance so I could sing the anthem. It was always a way to get through. And that kind of became the M.O. living in New Orleans. You had to hustle to find a way because everyone always thought you were a rapper. That was the only way you could. Wayne set the ground rules for what you Cash. thought was the best Cash for yeah, yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Absolutely. So you are not a rapper. No, I'm not. <laughs> you, are, you are very much. A, a, well, let me ask you, how would you define musically what your style is? I think it's just um, for me. There is no box for my music. I think it's R&B. I call it progressive R&B. I think I've kind of meshed every sound. And it's, it's so funny because I feel like that's what New Orleans is. We're a gumbo. We're gumbo. We're, when you say mulatta or mixed kids, or we kind of have Af African and Spanish and Indian all kind of infused in this sound. And you get Zydeco music and you get all of this second line music, band, big band music. That's kind of what this sound that I've kind of created for myself. And it's funny because me as an artist, if you think about me from Danny D. Kane, it was pop. Then going to Dirty Money, it was hip hop. Mm -hmm. Then doing the mixtape of Tell to Heart, it was R&B. I kind of did the same thing in my musical career that kind of represents what I am musically as a person growing up in New Orleans. So it's like this gumbo kind of put in together to create this really amazing sound with so much soul, but it's worldly. And it's really dope because I think it makes so much sense now, the person that I am musically, that what I grew up in kind of transformed me into the artist that I am now. Right, right, right. Thank you. <laughs> so let's fast forward a little bit and tell a little, the, the story that a lot of people probably know. Let's, you were discovered um, and became a member of, of a reality yeah. group. So in, in addition to being a singer and a writer and a choreographer and a dancer, you're also a reality star. Yeah. So that's important. It's important because Danity Kane, Danity Kane kind of kind of set the tone for reality pop, you know, that that genre. Yeah. Um, how has being a reality star, being so much in the limelight every single minute of your day yeah. sort of influenced who you are as an entertainer and how important is having everybody know your business all uh, the time? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a great question. I, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. And it's crazy because Puff is a genius. At the time, I did not understand it, but we kind of started the reality world of really what that was in the beginning. And we didn't know how big that was gonna be, but now reality TV has consumed television. And at the time, we kind of were the start of it. And I didn't realize what he was doing, but he really was brilliant at what he was doing. We didn't know, mind you. We were like, oh, we gotta figure it out. We gotta, we gotta make this band. But, it was the best and worst thing that ever happened for us. And I mean that because we broke records based off of a show, but no one thought we would be actually good. And I don't think they even thought it. Like, I think they were like, oh, we could be onto something, but they didn't think it would be so massive. And I think we weren't prepared for it either. It's very difficult to have your life personified. It's very difficult. And for me, coming from where I come from, that. I was more private, that was difficult for me. People judge you based off of what you look like. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, if I switch the camera to you and you get that wrong day, I promise you the same messy things you were saying about me, <laughs> you got about four or five days on you that was like, I ain't, that was a bad day, you know? I didn't know that. 
but people use those days to determine who you were. So 30, 30 minutes was your character. And th that's a great thing, but then it's a bad thing because then people think they know you. And for us, they got an idea of who we were, but it was great because no one was doing that in the world of music. No one was letting you have a magnifying glass, which was brilliant on Puff's part. So people fell in love with us. They fell in love with the idea of us, who we were as, as, as people, and we became their friends, not celebrities. And that was dope, like that was dope. And I think we broke records because of it. I think the great thing about what I've done now though, I've tried very hard to separate the two. Yet being a reality TV star was great and I loved it and it prepared Danity Kane. Two platinum albums, number one records, like we broke records that people to this day will say we didn't do it, but we did it, you know? But I think what was important for me is I wanted people to see me as an artist and that was difficult for people to do. We were a gimmick, we were a joke. The same producers that I walked up in the first time I met them through the show, when they meet me now, they're like, I didn't know. Or I didn't, they act like they've never saw me before. And I was like, I, rem I worked with you like four years ago and it was a very different story. But I think they just didn't get it. Pup didn't even know we were writers until the second album, the Welcome to the Dollhouse album. They didn't even know we were, they didn't know. Yeah, they didn't even know. And so that was the fun part. It was hard, but it was a fun part because it was the, all right, good, haters, I love you. Like, that was that moment. And so that, that was what it was. And I think now that's why the mixtape was really important for me. That's why this EP is extremely important for me because I think these are the two things that separated me from that world. I don't think people see a TV star anymore when they think of me. And I think that's something that I was really really hoping they wouldn't. I wanted to be respected as an artist because I wanted people to know that the reason why I tried out from the beginning was to be an artist. That was always, it never was, it never was for you to like me. It was for you to want to buy the album. And that was always, it's never changed. It's always been consistent. My love has always been the music. And I think now people get it. I think they get it. It took them a long time. But even now, the, the Bombs video, they're like, I didn't know you could dance like that. And I'm like, how did you not I know? was dancing yeah. on TV for like mad long. People remember what they want, you know? And, that, and that's something that I, they're like, oh, you changed your sound. And I'm like, Danity Kane was innovative then. The runs we were doing, the choices we, woo, oh, you choosing to do more backgrounds now. If you listen to the Danity Kane album, we were doing stupid harmonies on Damage, which was a pop record. We had like eight part harmony, Lights Out, the record that I did, even then. So it's like, I think people want to imagine, oh, you just decided to be doing this whole new airy something. Nah, we were doing it then. Dirty Money was, it was, it was, it was evolution in its best, you know? We were doing different then. And I think people just don't want to remember that. But we were pushing people then, I think. Speaking of stupid harmonies, you, you said, <laughs> you, I was going to try not to, but you, you brought up uh, Puffy, uh, Diddy, yeah. Sean, Coombs a couple All of times. All those names. <laughs> what is he this week? Um, you brought him up a couple of times, and you and you you called him genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. You clearly he clearly has had an influence on you. Tell yeah. us a little bit about um, what you have gotten from your experience and what you've learned from from working with Diddy. Because I, I heard you talk talking in the back, mm -hmm. um, and you you are profoundly respectful of of yeah. what you've gotten mm -hmm. from that. Please tell us. I, I look to him as a mentor and I look to him as a genius. The reason why I say that is because he's never proven to be anything but what I thought he would be. 
And I think sometimes people forget that. They're like, oh, Puff is this and Puff is that and he's awful. But why are you surprised at someone who's been consistent at just being a businessman? He's always been that. I don't, I've never seen him not be exactly what he's been from the beginning. And that is a person I can respect. He's never been anything but that. I've never got any surprises. He gives you an opportunity. Now, what do you do with that? He doesn't owe you anything. That's a boss. That's any boss. And I think that's what I've always remembered about him. So whether the job title changed from being a boss a friend, a group member, I never broke that barrier of knowing he was the label first. And that's so important, and I think that's why I respect him, because he saw the loyalty there in that. And so when I asked to be let go from Bad Boy, he saw the respect and how humbled I was at the opportunity, and he saw how hungry I was. And I think that's something that's always been consistent. And so for me, I'm proud to say he, he, he proved y'all wrong, and he, and he definitely proved me wrong, and, and I'm glad he did, because I believe that he would. I believe that he would. And so now when people say the negative things, oh, he'll never let you go, he shelved you, he gonna do it, and I'm like, well, hey, hey, look what we did, you know? And now we have that example, so now for Bad Boy, it's a great moment for them to be prideful of that fact, and it's a great, a hell of a great moment for me, because, I get, to, I get to, to know that I have a great reputation with him, we have a great relationship, and seven months later, our EP went number one without him. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. You know? So, um, you all had a conversation, and he respectfully, because mm -hmm. for, for your best interest, mm -hmm. you wanted to pursue some things, and he allowed you to do it, you had a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, now you're independent. Yes. You know, after having come up, been molded and shaped and the rest of that by the major, you know, major labels sort of, fed. exactly, you're making your own music. Tell me a little bit about that process and how that feels like in, in, in contrast to, you know, having been manufactured and, and molded and the rest of that with the majors, bad boy. I've got really used to the double-edged sword, you know what I mean? I really have... Um, I didn't realize how spoon-fed we were, how we were given an opportunity and it was kind of like, oh, they, here's a label, here's a manager, here's money, take it. You know, and we're like, yay, this is great. I didn't realize that those things, when they leave, you have to become everything. I am now the accountant, the lawyer, the marketing guru, the, you know, I'm the label. And with four amazing people, Gordon, Omar, Drewski, Carla Carter, um, Stan, I, I find now that my circle is real small. The trust is tighter, you know, but the great thing about that is there is no one to tell you you should wear this. You don't look good in that. Now that's a double-edged sword because Puff does know what you should wear, what you shouldn't wear, so that was always like, oh, you stopped us from getting murdered that day. But, but I think I've been under his tutelage enough to know now what I can and can't do. And if I make mistakes along the way, that's what small businesses do. A lot of them don't survive. This is the test now for me to be able to say, okay, am I gonna make it through this? And I think we will. And the reason why is because when you have a great education, I always speak of Danny D. Kane and Dirty Money as a private high school in an Ivy League college. It's kind of like now he's like, okay, go out to the world and be great. I hope you be great because I've taught you, you have the best education. That's kind of what this is. And we've babied it, we've nurtured it. I, I've paid attention to every note, every sound, every lyric. And what's beautiful about it is that few artists have that much of a responsibility. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah, I'm writing it. I'm sitting down and I'm mastering it with my, with my producers. I'm sitting there going over every layer, every harmony. And after I'm writing it, I'm planning the lighting for the staging. I'm planning the, what the choreographers are gonna do. I'm sitting with the, the choreographer. We're making sure that's fine. After we do that, I'm talking with iTunes. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? How do we plan it for it to me? Then I'm doing the art direction for make sure that that makes sense. I'm doing it all and it's making me great. Why be me mediocre when you can be great? And that's something that I really, really want to, to do with this EP and with this album. So it is difficult, but it's beautiful, you guys, because we have no features on this EP. No features. No one is... We didn't come out with a single and said, okay, we're going to put the biggest person on here to make it fly. We're asking you to just love us and we're going to work hard so that you do love us and you're proud to love us and that's something that artists aren't doing anymore they're saying okay i'm gonna go and give you this you're gonna like it because this is what i'm gonna give you i'm saying i work for you i want you to buy my stuff i want you to love it because when we rock we doing this together and that's something that's old school boutique businesses you know that's that small business mentality where special relationships count my relationship with you counts. So for me, instead of giving six songs on an EP, we give 10. Instead of giving, making, you, making you buy it for $10, we make you buy it for six. You know, instead of giving you half-ass work, excuse my language, we give you great work. And that's because we want you to be proud of us. Because this is a story that we're telling together. And that's something that I'm really excited about with this EP. No features, no budget, no help, number one in three hours. That's, 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 that's something the people talk, you know? So it's dope. So we're here to have a conversation. So we're gonna open it up to Q&A, but before we do, tell us a little bit about this project. Cause I want y'all to have something to talk about about this project. Right. Cause you're mad strategic. I heard you back there yeah, planning and chess, plotting and man, go ahead. Yeah, so you dropped your first single, first video. Let's talk a little bit about what else is coming. The, the, I'm shooting the next video for Automatic, which is the next video. <laughs> I, I really believe that I just want to pump out the, the visuals um, of dance. I'm a huge fan of dance. I want to have a fan base. I feel like they've been neglected. The dance world has been neglected. I, I grew up loving Janet and Madonna, and I, I used to know their dancers just as much as I knew Madonna and Janet. Aaliyah's dancers, like I, I loved them. Fatima was everything to me. Like I want to go back to the time where dancers had a whole entity of itself. I want them to be lines out the window to get to want to work with this group of people. So that's what we're, we're gonna do. We're gonna build that fan base, fall in love with dancers all over again. I want them to be just as popular as I am. So that's what we're gonna do with the next four videos that we're doing. And this EP is, I, it's, it literally, I told someone, it's an introduction. It's literally like if you're reading a book, the preface, or if you were reading and it said chapters one through 10 is this, chapters, it's literally the summary of what the album is gonna be like, the sound of it sonically. And I wanted it to be lyrically a story. So it literally is one long song. And it feels that way. Even the way it's sequenced, it feels like it just never stops. You don't know when it, you don't know when it ends and when it begins. And I wanted that feeling to be in your chest. That's why it's driven by the drum. Mm -hmm. It's driven by the 808. It's and they're like it's dance. It's trance. No, it just makes you move. And R&B hasn't made you move in a long time. You felt like R&B has to be linear. It can be many things. Why if pop music can be layered? Why can't R&B be layered? Why does it have to be traditional or contemporary? And that's something that we're trying to push with this, with this EP. So records like Black Lipstick, who gives you this like 
nostalgic sound. It, it creates the setup. I want you by the end of this to be like, that's why she needed armor in the first place. Because honestly, none of you were told that this world was not a friendly place. You thought everybody was cool. You thought everybody was gonna be dope. And then you said, all right, first heartbreak, second heartbreak, all right, fourth, fifth, right? And you're like, all right. And that's, <laughs> I've had 12, so no, but so that's, I just wanted to do it in a clever way. It's, I just want to tell it in a different way. So for me, I'm telling it the way of the modern Joan of Arc. Think of it that way. You're going to battle with life. And what better way to do it than have a manual to say, don't guard it, prepare for it. So that's what this EP is. Yeah. Dope, dope, dope. So I got folks in the audience who are like this. They want to hey. get up on the stage. <laughs> so why don't we allow them to ask some questions? Y'all, it's, it's your turn now. Because I know this brother right here, he's going to jump on the stage if you don't. He's like... Thank you. Uh, if you don't mind just waiting until uh, the mic is in your hand and speak loud and clear so we can hear. Thanks. Loud and clear. Hi, Dawn. Hey, Boo. <laughs> um, the one question I wanted to ask is, where did the influence come on your song, Heaven? Yeah. That's my you. favorite. <laughs> yeah. That's I my favorite. I had a conversation about this, and it's going to spark so much controversy, but it's true. I'm going to be honest. I was having an issue... Um, with my boyfriend at the time and with Puff. And I felt like um, I was in a place where I felt like heaven can't help these people. And have you ever felt like a moment where you can't save them? Like, you know, like, like no matter what they do, they're in a very dark place and you can't save them. And I felt like I was trying to make a point and trying to be the light for something, but they couldn't see God on me. They couldn't see him. And, and that was the battle I was having, so I was going to work, dealing with that beast, and then going to my home and dealing with that. And it was so much darkness. And I was like, yo, it's draining me. So instead of it being like, I hate you, I was like, Lord, heaven help him. I ain't doing this no more. <laughs> like, I'm, It's that fed up moment. So, but instead of making it gloomy and oh, help me, I made it like transient, almost ambient, you know what I mean? So you had to dig for the message. You did your thing. Thank you. Thank you, Drew and I. I love you, that, Yeah, thank you. That was what Drew and I were going for. So I was like, give me something hypnotic, almost like you felt like. Because when you're with the bad things, it possesses you more than the lighter things. It traps you. So it almost feels hypnotic. It feels trans. Like it feels like it's. So that's what I wanted it to feel. And whoever thank doesn't you. know Drew, get on your job. And find <laughs> Drew, you did your thing, Drew. Uh, if you want to stand up. Hey Don, how are hey, you? Uh, I'm Leo. I'm an actual NYU grad student okay. for dance education. So shout out to the dancers. Shout out to you giving me your real. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Anywho, need to see it. Um, Be sorry. yeah, give me I that saw. so you can work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so my question for you is: You talked about being a progressive R&B artist mm -hmm. and operating in that space where it's a free space. There's no box. Mm -hmm. How do you grow in that? from an artist's perspective? That's a, good, that's, a good, that's a good question. You, you grow because you create the lane. And sometimes when you create the lane, there's no one in front of you driving. So it's so much easier for you to steer at your own speed. So that's kind of the great thing about growth when you're creating something new. And I'm finding that out. We, we don't have anybody saying stop because they've never been in that world. They've never seen someone have a soulful voice but then dance. It's always been pop with the mic piece, 
They've never had the handheld. I mean, Beyonce's done it, but she's transcended something else. We're doing something a little bit darker. She's a little bit brighter, you know what I mean? Not to compare, because she's the queen. I'm, I'm never, don't, don't try to... Don't try to get me. Don't Richie no, said ain't. she was like Beyonce. She set the ground. Don't try to make people be trying to make it like I'm. No, I She's the dark to Beyonce's yeah. light. No, yeah, I'm not trying to. No, I'm saying when you create a lane for yourself, the great thing, the hard thing is no one understands you. No one. The hard thing is no one's driving with you. The good thing is no one's driving with you. You feel me? So it's like there's space to just grow. So for me, that's what I'm gonna use as my as my as my goal. So the growth is perfect there for me to just, it's easy. It's easy to grow there. And hopefully when you're driving and people see the speed you're setting, they tend to want to get in your lane afterwards. So you become the leader of that. That's the hope. No, no worries. Other questions? Progressive, question. progressive Don't be well, let me, I got one. I got a question. Yes. Progressive R&B. Yes. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. It's almost yes. oxymoronic with yeah. American radio. Yes. How receptive are international audiences to your music or how do you find you know breaking an international outside of america versus american that's radio? a great question we just came from barbados and um i play, yeah ooh, ooh. <laughs> and i um played faith and i played a couple of the records out there the faith record is done by rick rude and it's more of a, a um, transient dance, trance kind of electro R&B vibe, and they loved it. I think, if anything, the EP is more worldly than it is here. I think people get it a little bit more there than they would here. It's the same thing with Dirty Money. I think we were way more overseas than here at first, and I think it caught on quicker there than it did here. Um, even when we put the EP out, not expecting, we charted in Australia, Ireland, France, the UK, so it was kind of random because we didn't even expect, we put it out there, but we didn't expect them to get so much love. I think it's something that's universal, and I think that's something, once again, that I'm finding what's sad is they love R&B music a little bit more over there than we appreciate it. That's why you have the Adele's and the Amy Winehouse's. They're, they're doing so much soul and being accepted yep. there. So what I'm trying to do is m m mold the two. I'm trying to make people see that there's not just, you don't have to do the 70s, the 60s, 50s mm -hmm. vibe. You know what I'm talking about? That, that yep. the aim, you don't have to do that to be number one. Like you don't have to do the Adele vibe. People are finding they're trying to jump on that train because it's successful, right. but you don't have to do, that doesn't have to be the only route for R&B. It doesn't have to just be, okay, sing a ballad, that's gonna be your best. It can move, and that's what I mean by progressive R&B. It can move, and I'm pushing people to see that it can. And they're starting to feel it. They're like, I don't know how to class it. Some people say house, some people say trance. It's pop. No, it's R&B, it has soul. It's whatever it makes you feel to move your butt off the ground. Mm -hmm. It's praise and worship personified. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yep, yep. We have any more? We got a Time for a couple more questions. Um, Don, I just want to say that I love the EP. Thank it's you. freaking amazing. Thank you. Um, when I first heard it, I didn't really, I was really surprised because I was thinking, I didn't know what to think, but I heard it and I was like, wow, this is like, I feel amazing. No, 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 actually, <laughs> made me, it made me really comfortable because I feel like I relate more to, I guess, creative, different kind of like music. And um, so when I heard it, I was like, you know, I wonder what, what were your musical influences in terms of making this album? Because there's nothing else. That's a great question. That like sounds this. like it. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, I grew up in a rock alternative world. I didn't even listen to R&B till like college years. My first concert was Green Day. Okay, second concert was Alanis Marset. Third concert was No Doubt Tragic Kingdom. Like, 
that's kind of my world. My dad was 11. I was like, Dad, I want to go to Green Day. He was like, what is that? Went there, weed smoke everywhere. He was like, what's happening? My child is like a demon. I don't know. <laughs> he was like, oh my God. He was so shocked. But that was what I grew up on. Bush, the cranberries, Bjork. So for me, when I walked up to Drew, I said, Drew, give me Phil Collins mixed with Sade, mixed with a rainforest. And he was like, scripture. Yeah. And, and, and I wanted something... When you think of my influences and you really listen to like Bjork and her spacing in, in records, her melodies, she honestly leaves open the, she leaves the music open for possibilities. So you see in the music, in the EP, there's like 14 bars of just music. There's eight bars between verses, bridges. There's some songs that don't even have second verses, don't have bridges. They just go into to music. Like, there's no rules in those world, in that world. And that's why I fell in love with it. You know, so that was, thank you. But that was, the, that was the reasoning behind it. Phil Collins was a drummer turned artist. Mm -hmm. So all his music was driven by the drum. That was genius to me. Why was he getting behind a drum singing? Not a keyboard, not, you know, it was just brilliant. It was beautiful. And of course the all time best Prince was my, I mean, so sonically for me, black lipstick is definitely a play off of the Revolu Prince and the Revolution and that whole, that whole world. Those were my influences growing up. And people say, oh, your, 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 your backgrounds remind me so much of Brandy that had to be a heavy, really, Imogen Heap was my all-time favorite. She's used backgrounds for a long time. And if you listen to her and the vocoder and how many voices she used, that's kind of where the, I kind of really fell in love with harmonies and that whole stacking of like that was I'm, I learned Brandy later in college and I was like yo she's bomb that like my dad my brother was like you have to listen to her and then I realized LaShawn Daniels Rodney Jerkins mm -hmm. that whole world they listen to Imogen and and, and Kim Burrell and that whole world and you can definitely hear the influences there you know and that's kind of I think what people get that that comparison but really in actuality Imogen for me, I mean, she is just, oh my God. I, she just takes me to a whole nother place. Nice, nice, nice. Who's got the mic? We have another question right over here. And then we have a couple over here. If Hello, Don, how are you doing? My hey, name's Charlie. Hi. I just wanted to ask, would you ever go back into the EP and like do a remix, especially uh, Faith, which is my Bible? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely will. You know, I'm always trying to do the most unorthodox and clever way to make you guys love me more. Um, so I think if I do a re-release, it'll be all unplugged and live. Something really dope and something really, the congas get really like, really into playing with that idea. I want like two drummers, an orchestra. I want to really play with that idea. So um, if I do, it'll do, it'll be like something really funky, really extended. And I might, I really want to play with the idea of doing Adele set fire to the rain into faith. Something really funky with that. So I really like what her record is movement-wise. So I really like to do something funky with that. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We had a couple questions down here. I will be making moves. Do you forgive? Thanks. They're putting you to work. Hi, my name hey. is Bitsy Metcalf, and I'm also from New Orleans. Oh, born and raised, huh? Yeah, I'm who that? <laughs> we get real ghetto when we meet somebody else. I'll be like, hey, girl. Um, I'm wondering, it's obvious that New Orleans plays a big um, role in who you are today as a musician, and I'm just curious in what ways you, I don't know if you went to NOCO or if you didn't get a No, go. I couldn't. You couldn't. Okay, that's I couldn't. I, I went to thought. De La Salle. I went to a, a private school, and you can't 
you can't get out of school. You can't take that session. So all my friends went, but I didn't. So I, I didn't get the privilege to, to, to do it. And it was a sad beat for me because I, I was so jealous. So in, in, are there any ways that you plan on giving back and sort of keep in touch? And how are you? Great question. So my best friend, Shonda, she's getting her master's in artist development. All right. I taught her dance as a baby. My mom, right? She dances now for me. Crazy, right? I'm so proud. And, and her, she's so brilliant. She learned everything there is to learn about artist development, dancing school. She works for a dance company. She's learned all the ins and outs, how to get grants, all the, the we want to build a school in New Orleans. So that's, and I owe it to my mother. She lost it in Katrina. She lost her dancing school. So the plan is to rebuild it, name it after her, and start a, a dance school available for all kids. We'll do it whereas they'll have the NOCA vibe, but then they'll also be, you can actually go to the school, like an art school. So that's the plan. It's gonna, it's, we've been doing it, it's been two years now. It's gonna take about a five to six year plan to get it started. But the great thing is, she has masters in it. So we're gonna be great to know all the ins and outs of how to get grants, how to get money. We're gonna take all that knowledge from LA and bring it home. Yeah. Beautiful. We do have time for another question, but before that, because you, you just came back from Barbados, and you were, you were not just getting a fabulous tan. I am so chocolatey, you, so yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were also working with kids. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing there. Yeah, there's a Back to Black is a foundation, and I was working with a guy named um, Trevor Pretty, and um, he was bringing awareness to the Bayesian community out there. Um, there's a lot of talent out there that kids don't know. They don't have any idea. Um, they want to get out here. They want to start dancing with different companies. I know a few of them heard of Jamaica, who was, oh, love her. And they wanted to work with, with them and dancers and singers and designers. So Trevor brought us all out from Elle Varner to Sammy B, um, just new up-and-coming designers out there to talk to them and raise awareness to them and really be their mentors and try to get them out here. Some of them are going to come in the, in the summer and do internships. Nice with some of the designers and really work with them for the fashion week that they have going on out here for, I think, the spring, summer. So it's kind of cool to really give back and, and see their dancing schools. Everything's just messed up and torn apart. Nothing's really together. And I think we, we sometimes don't realize, you guys have it great here. Like, the opportunity is just, even in L.A., I'm like, if I had six of these things in my, I probably would be bomb. Like, I would be, like, on a whole other level. So what we're doing is trying to raise, we're trying to raise awareness for them and get them into the atmosphere so people can have more of a chance because I feel like they don't have any. They f and they feel like they don't. All they have is Rihanna. It's like Rihanna's God there because she has such a, she, she's, she's like the only one from their, from their world that has been super, super successful. Right, right. All right, dope, dope, dope. We have time for one more question. One more question. I, I'm not gonna choose. Great. The other one's gonna be like, why you didn't choose me? Hi, how you doing? Hey. Okay, so you went from the mixtape to Armor On what can we expect from Golden Heart? Great question. Um, what's crazy is we recorded Golden Heart long before the EP. So we already created the sound before we got to the EP, but we knew, we were like, okay, we're on to something, but will they get it? So that was kind of like, we have to prepare them. And that's something that I always want to make sure of. I never want to just say, like me, take it. No one's going to do that. It's always got to be like, all right, I'm going to work extremely hard so that you get it, so that you digest it. So by the time the album comes, there's no, I ain't, there's no question. This is what I'm doing, you know, no surprises. So Golden Heart is the movie. 
it's the battle. This is the preparation. You're putting your armor on. This is us getting ready. We've, we fought together. We've met. We know what our army looks like. You know who the, the captains are. You know what it is. So now Golden Heart is aggressive. It's aggressive. It's in your face. And I'm singing. And I purposely didn't sing as much on the EP. I purposely was like, oh, that's you. I purposely wanted you to believe that was the best I could do. Because then I want to take you someplace else. And so for Golden Heart, that's, that's, that's the soul of it all. That's, that's the honesty of it all. And records like Ode to You, we have the titles 300, Goliath. Like these titles are epic. Like they're, 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 they're exactly what the story is. And it's, it's really like for, for Faith, Ode to You would be its twin. You feel me? And it's not the same sound, but it's the same story. You know, Golden Heart, the, even the, the, the title track is not what you would think it would be, you know? And that's an exciting, 300 is like the answer to Bulletproof. It's so much, it's so, it's so, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger. And we're going to score each record, string arrangements in every record. Like, it's going to be a movie. And I just want y'all to be excited about it because I think at the end of the day, you'll never hear R&B like this. Dope. I don't think you ever will. Dope, yeah. dope, dope. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you, guys. I'm going to get off the stage. I'm going to let you put your armor on. Okay. Y'all better sing with me. Don't be, be shysty. Shot, shot for love.